Welcome to the Heartbreak to Happiness Show with Sarah Davison. If you're struggling with a breakup and you feel shocked, angry, betrayed, devastated, or sad and alone, then this podcast is for you. Best-selling author and award-winning host, Sarah Davison, shares how you too can get on with your life to heal, grow, and move from heartbreak to happiness. Here's your host, Sarah Davison. Welcome back to the show. And today, my guest is Roy Biancalana. Roy is a certified relationship coach and a nationally recognized expert in the field of attraction and conscious relationships in the States. He is also the host of the Attracting Lasting Love podcast. Along with being a frequent TV analyst, Roy is the author of three number one best-selling books, the latest of which is Relationship Bootcamp, Hardcore Training for Life, Love, and the Pursuit of Intimacy. So I am super excited to welcome Roy Biancalana to the show. Welcome, Roy. Oh, it's so good to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, my goodness. I'm very excited. I know my listeners are going to get so much from this episode. Now, tell us a little bit about you, because you're a certified relationship coach. And I know in the States, lots of people know your name. Over here in the UK, maybe not so much, even though you've got three number one best-selling books. But please just tell us a little bit about you and how you got into coaching. Yeah, in fact, I've had a a number of clients from the London area, England area. So um, it's great. Um, well, I love the title of your, your podcast, Heartbreak to Happiness, because I've had my own journey around that. In fact, I became a coach because of that. So my heartbreak story, we could all tell our, our sad stories, right, is I was in a 19-year marriage that kind of became quite platonic. It was co-parenting. It was functional, but there wasn't much man-woman stuff, if you know what I mean. And so that led to a divorce. And of course, you know, I often joke with my clients, if you, if you just don't do the things that I did, you're going to be okay in your love life. Cause I've made every mistake you can possibly make. So I rebounded immediately into a totally sexual relationship, which at the time was really great since I had gone so long and we were together for two and a half months. We got engaged and six months before the wedding, she broke up with me and There wasn't any cheating or betrayal, but it just completely devastated me. I mean, I had like a year-long midlife crisis, which in the end was a good thing because it made me look at myself in a new way. And But in that moment, if you said, hey, Roy, this midlife crisis is going to be the best thing ever happened to you, I'd have smacked you, right? But, (laughs) you know, I couldn't sleep. I had heart palpitations. I, I, I kind of really fell off as being a father. My career suffered. I was a mess. Okay. So what do you do when you're just a mess? Well, what I did, this is now 15, 18 years ago, maybe longer, is I just joined three or four online dating sites to meet a new woman, help me forget the old one. Okay. So that's not what you should do when you're grieving. But that's the only way I knew how to deal with my pain. But you can imagine the amount of drama that I caused because I was meeting women and I was appearing to be, and I sort of thought I was emotionally available, but I wasn't. I was kind of using them to distract me from my pain. And so I really wasn't available. And and so that just created all kinds of drama. And right about then, a friend of mine said, 
you know, Roy, have you ever thought about working with someone? <laughs> you know, your professional life is pretty good, but your personal life is, you know, and the strange thing, and this may make people laugh at, hopefully it will, is at the time, I actually believe that all of my love life issues and all of my heartbreak was their fault. It was the women. It's like my ex-wife, my ex-fiance, all you crazy women online. Okay, I, It really never occurred to me that maybe I had something to do with this, that I was playing a role, that maybe I had some childhood wounding that was showing up in all of this, that maybe I had some limiting beliefs, um, a relationship persona, um, a personality blind spot. I mean, I just was blaming the women and I was never really looking in the mirror. And so I did hire a coach and that was the first thing that we looked at <laughs> was that maybe I had something to do with it. And I really did, um, which we'll probably get into a number of things here in this conversation. But I worked with a coach for about two years. And the question was, why is it not working out? Why is there so much pain and heartbreak and, and difficulty and drama and divorce and being dumped and all that stuff? And I discovered that there was a bunch of things going on inside of me that I really wasn't aware of that were causing these things. And so that was so transformative because when I came out of that two-year process, which in coaching, that's a lifetime, um, but I was pretty messed up. I was able to pretty quickly meet and date and fall in love with and, and become married to the woman I've been with now for almost 14 years. And so I became a coach because I just simply wanted to do for other people what my coach did for me. It was like, I wasn't lucky. It wasn't like the gods were smiling on me. I went through a particular process. I asked myself certain questions. I looked in certain places within me. I stopped blaming. And I woke up to so much that it changed the whole trajectory of my love life. And so I became a coach to sort of do for others what my coach did for me. And it's just a phenomenal opportunity to work with people who are broken down enough to turn their attention away from the people that have hurt them, because th that's true, but you can't change any of that. You can't change them, but you can use all of that to grow in self-awareness so that at least you don't repeat these things. You don't attract the same kinds of partners and the same patterns and the same problems and the same pain. I, that's so common. I call it the relationship groundhog day syndrome. Okay. <laughs> that old movie where Bill Murray relives the same day over and over again, yeah. who can't relate to reliving the same dynamics over and over again. I know I did. And so working with people around that, that are really willing to kind of examine themselves. It's just so much fun because it leads to such transformation in people's lives. Yeah, that is so true. It really is. And I know a lot of people listening right now will be saying, yes, Roy, that's exactly what I do. I always attract the same type of partner and I always end up with my heart broken. So yes. what's your advice for that, Roy? Yeah, well, it gets into a discussion. It's a great question about what I call a relationship persona. Okay. So when when we're attracting the same types of partners and the same dynamics, what's happening is we are showing up with a certain psychological or emotional shape. Like imagine two pieces of a puzzle, okay? 
if you're making a puzzle with a bunch of pieces, you know that every individual piece doesn't go with just any piece. It goes with its match. You got to find its reciprocal match. So in a sense, we come out of our childhoods and all of our experiences, and we have a certain shape, a certain psychological, emotional, relational type of shape. And it goes with a certain kind of person. And so in my experience for myself, what I was experiencing was I kept attracting women who were very successful professionally. They were in high powered careers. They were making a lot of money. They were working insane amounts of hours, but they were single mothers and they were overwhelmed with the whole thing. They almost couldn't do both. They couldn't really raise their kids and manage their household and their careers. And they were in a sense, and I don't, I don't mean this in a derogatory way. They were sort of damsels in distress. Okay. Now I happened to grow up in an environment where I learned between me and my mother that if I wanted to be close to my mother, I had to make my life be about fulfilling her agenda, right? If mama wasn't happy, nobody was happy. So I learned in my household, if I wanted to have attention and affection from my mom, I sort of set myself aside and maybe what I wanted. And I made my life be about mommy, what do you need? And, and I'll be good boy, Roy. That's actually one of the names oh. I have for myself. I'll be good boy, Roy. So I sort of learned that, you know, four or five, six years old, this is very young, learned that, well, the way you get close to women is about making your life be about taking care of theirs. So now when I'm out in the dating world and I'm meeting these damsel in distress, it's Roy the rescuer is meeting the damsel and, and we go together, we fit perfectly. <laughs> like, I'm afraid that if I don't rescue, no woman will want me or love me. And of course, that means I have to attract the woman who needs to be rescued, correct? So that was my pattern. Now, these are very common patterns, right? Because women sometimes come out, come out of their childhoods and backgrounds with the message that I get love if I nurture and if I give, if I sacrifice, if I take care of, if I overfunction. Right. And they can become like Florence Nightingale, like you're a nurse. And then women say, why do I keep attracting men who are sort of broken down and hurting and falling apart? Well, because nurses have to have wounded people. Right? They go together. Um, so there's so many of these dynamics that when you're experiencing a pattern of some sort, and it's got to be a pattern, not just a one time thing. Um, if it seems like it's a pattern, you can look at the type of person that you seem to attract and you can know that you must have some sort of reciprocal thing going on in you that fits with that, mm. right? That's hard to do because the ego doesn't like to say, because I was really blaming these women. Oh, these women are so successful, but they can't take care of their life. And I've got to be Mr. Mom and nobody will love me unless I do that. And I should make the point that I function as a Mr. Mom but it wasn't because that was the way love wanted to come through me. I was doing that stuff because I was afraid if I didn't raise their kids and do the laundry and clean the house and do the dishes and take them to soccer practice. I was doing this stuff within two weeks of meeting a woman. I'd swoop in and baby, I'll take care of everything for you. You can just work. And then when you come home, you, you can just take care of me. Okay. So there was this codependence. 
but I wasn't doing it because that's what love wanted to come through me as. I was just scared. So it was phony, right? When you see a pattern, the ego doesn't like to say, what's my part in attracting it? But that's really what you have to do if you want to stop the Groundhog Day syndrome. You mm -hmm. have to say, what is my persona? What is my psychological, emotional shape? And so what, as a coach, basically, I'm a shapeshifter, <laughs> right? Oh, I, love it. I, I help people find their authentic selves because that's what I did. I'm, I'm a loving man. I care about women. I, 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 I love being nice to my wife. I love being present. And I had to learn who is the authentic Roy, not the scared Roy that feels like he's, if he doesn't do that, he won't get love and attention. Who is this spiritual being and, and what's he about and what does he have to offer and who's my authentic self so that I could love as my authentic self, not as my fearful self. Yeah. And that is a journey of real discovery. And it's not as easy as it seems because my authentic self anyway was buried by the time I was six or seven years old. I, I just became good boy, Roy, Roy, the rescuer. And I just thought I was the world's greatest boyfriend. In fact, in my first book, which is on top of my head there, I have a chapter in the book called The World's Greatest Boyfriend. And I describe all the things I said I was doing, you know, cutting her grass, washing her car, raising her kids, doing their laundry, changing the sheets, you know, making dinner. Do, I just did all this stuff. But again, it was out of fear. And I ended up resenting doing it. That's why we broke up. I didn't, I, I didn't want to be Roy the Rescuer after two years of being with this woman. I had my own life, my own career. And so I didn't want to keep doing my persona. So it blew the relationship up, right? So uh, we can go into, into that in depth, but the pattern thing is the pathway to self-awareness where you see some of that persona stuff. And then if you change you, here's the beauty. If you change the shape of your puzzle piece, it doesn't fit with that person anymore, right? So if you want to get out of the pattern, it's not about finding some person who's not like that, that emotionally unavailable person, that alcoholic, that anger person. It's not about finding a better partner. It's about changing your shape. Because if you change your shape, then you only fit with a reciprocal person who is healthier. You yeah. follow me? Right? So yeah. it's empowering. Yeah, I mean, I love that. And I, I, I totally relate to the Groundhog Day. And I see this in my coaching clients all the time. So keep yeah. repeating the same patterns over and over again. So what you're saying is really helpful. I guess I'm really interested to hear what you think about this, because I hear a lot. Yes, but if I don't go for somebody that, you know, like my past, maybe slightly toxic relationships that I've been in, this is what I hear from my clients, then it's going to be boring. And mm. I find nice guys boring. So you're nodding away here for those people watching on YouTube. He's nodding away. Come on, away. What's your advice on this? I'm really interested to hear. Yeah, I really like that because what that admits or owns up to is there's something in you that's attracted to toxicity. There, there's an excitement to it, the drama of it, the, you know, the classical bad boy, you know, that is sexy, but not available. It's, it's not going to go anywhere, but you're going to have a good time getting there. <laughs> right. So um, yes, there's this thought that, yeah, I'll be bored. I, and I would just say, if you work on the part of you, 
See, there might be something in you that doesn't feel very alive. Like you don't feel the life of the universe in you. You don't, it's not an inner aliveness and inner joy. Uh, the Hindus call it uh, sat chit ananda, you know, eternal conscious bliss. Christians call it kind of heaven. You know, so if you don't feel alive on the inside, then you seek it from the outside. Because we all want to feel okay on the inside. We all want to feel the juice. We want to feel the Shakti as the Hindus, you know, the, the inner energy, the chi, the spirit. We want to feel that aliveness. And for most of us, we don't know how to access the aliveness that's there. So we don't feel okay on the inside. So the mind says, you got to find something on the outside of you that will give you the juice. And since we're talking about relationships, that's what a relationship can do. You can find someone that will give you a kind of a juice because you feel like you lack it. And so the relationship is providing you with an aliveness that you're not able to find within yourself, but because it's an aliveness coming from another person, life partners make lousy life sources. Mm. And so you're looking for a relationship to make you feel alive, to make you feel sexual energy and happiness and well-being but it's going to fail to give that to you because people weren't, they weren't designed to do that for you. So we look for relationships sometimes for the wrong reasons. In fact, um, one of the chapters in my newest book, Relationship Bootcamp, is called What's the Real Reason You Want a Relationship? Like the real reason. <laughs> there's always a surface reason. And then there's the real reason. Well, the real reason is I want a relationship to fix that okay feeling that or that not okay feeling. And so we start wanting relationships for the wrong reasons, and it does provide a kind of a temporary hit, a temporary kind of aliveness, but then it comes back to bite you because it, relationships aren't meant to be your source, right? Yeah. So the way out is to stop looking for a relationship to give you what's already there and to find that. The more that you find that you are already alive and already happy and already have this sense of well-being, then I don't need to seek a relationship to give it to me. Yeah. And then yeah. that guy who's nice and boring becomes way more exciting because you can trust him, because you can depend that he'll be your rock, that when you need him, he's there, that his presence is wide and deep enough to contain your feminine flow. And you'll find a different kind of satisfaction rather than the euphoric bad boy, you know, kind of thing. You can find a more grounded kind of love uh, because it's lust on the other side, right? I mean, you find a more grounded kind of love that is, that is more satisfying because you're really not looking to the relationship to do something that it's not supposed to do. So I don't know if that's, going too deep here. There's, there's so much to unpack with that, but that's what I would say. It's, and I think everyone knows this, it's your attraction to the exciting, toxic, bad boy. That's not coming from the healthy part of you is what I'm saying. That's yeah. coming from the unhealthy part of you. And then it results in drama. It, it just, because of that. So the healthier you are, the more, what you find sexy changes. There's persona chemistry. Like I was so sexually attracted to damsels in distress because I was Roy the rescuer. So there's persona chemistry and then there's polarity chemistry. 
the true masculine feminine dynamic, the true healthy expression of those energies that on the surface can appear boring, but it's the kind of thing that you can build a life with. Mm. Oh, I like that. I like that. And Roy, go as deep as you like on this podcast. We love deep. We love it. We love it. I mean, yeah, great advice. So with all the clients and all the TV shows and everything you've done, Roy, what are the biggest mistakes you see people making? Yeah, the biggest mistake. um, Well, here's, here's the way to say it. Imagine that you want to run in a triathlon, okay? Some weird, enormous endurance test. And you want to do well. You want to be successful. And then imagine you hire me as your triathlon coach, which I'm not. Um, But I'm going to coach you on how to be successful. So we sit down and you start asking me questions about the race. Like, how do I survive in the water? Because it's kind of crazy in the beginning. How do you transition from the water to getting on the bike and then the bike to the marathon and you're out there all day. So how much do you eat? When do you drink water? How, when should you speed up or conserve energy? So you're asking me questions about race day. Okay. Now as a triathlon coach, I'm like, okay, those are are good questions. That's a viable conversation, but that's not what you should be asking me. You should be asking me how to, about how to get in shape for this thing. Because if you get on the starting line and you're not in shape, if you're 50 pounds overweight, you're not going to make it a hundred yards in the water. You're, you're never going to go the distance unless you're in shape. So don't talk about the strategy. Let's talk about whether you're prepared for this. Okay. So the biggest mistake we make is just like that. My clients ask me about race day. Where do I go to meet someone? How do I approach them? Or how do they, how do I get them to approach me? What do I say? How do I flirt? What what do I wear? And all of that. Those are viable issues. But that's not what you should be asking me. It's not about where do I meet someone? It's am I prepared for something real? Am I in shape so that when however the universe or God, whatever you want to call it, however you come and meet this person at a networking event, online dating, just the general course of I met my wife by sitting down next to her at a conference. She was the prettiest girl in the room. And I just sat down next to her and 18 months later, we got married. So however you meet someone, you need to be ready for something real when that happens. Otherwise, your personas will show up and you'll just create the same sort of problems that you always have. So the biggest mistake is we focus on them and how to find them rather than, am I ready? Could I get myself in better shape? Can I do my shape-shifting work? Could I learn how to let go of my past? Can I learn how to communicate better, how to deal with conflict better, how to set boundaries better? All these things. So you're, you're coming to the starting line now, that moment when you're face-to-face with someone for the first time, that's the starting line in a relationship. Are you ready? Or are you gonna drown in the first 50 yards? <laughs> <laughs> does, that, does that make sense oh absolutely absolutely so so i guess the big question was how do we get into relationship shape ready for that starting line well yeah you got to hire a great relationship trainer like me that's yes. that's one way now, <laughs> well, my newest book relationship boot camp so you can get a feel for the metaphor i'm using right it's called hardcore training for life love and the pursuit of intimacy and in the book i i identify seven major areas that I have found through my practice, through my own personal journey, 
through all my trainings and all that other stuff, seven major areas that need to be strong if you're going to create something healthy and sustainable. So I call them seven relationship muscles. And given that the topic here is heartbreak to happiness, the juiciest of all the seven muscles, the, the one that's the hardest to talk about, but maybe the most important is our relationship to our past. Okay. Now I know everybody listening to this has got some serious things from their past. And I want to just let you know that, well, I, I can't say I know what you've been through. I've been through my own version. And so I have a ton of compassion for betrayal, deception, lying, ghosting, gaslighting, toxicity. Frankly, to be honest with your audience, I did some things in my past that the women listening have had to deal with. So I've been that guy, frankly. I, I cheated on my wife at the, at the very end. Um, I had an affair and she didn't know I was married. Okay, so I had a double life going. So I, just to tell you, I've been an asshole and I've created some pain and some toxicity. Um, all I can say is uh, I've woken up to that stuff and worked on myself because I just didn't want the drama in my life and I wanted to have, have a, a good relationship with a woman. So just full disclosure, I've been that guy. Um, no, I appreciate that, Roy. I appreciate so I, I, yeah, so I understand the dynamic and I've been hurt too. So, so I've, I've dished it out and I've received it and all that stuff. So I just want to say that, that I have compassion around this issue. But all of us know that that past, and I often joke, the only people that don't have some wounding and some baggage from the past are the little babies in the maternity ward. <laughs> right? It's not wrong. It's not bad to have baggage, to have pain, to have wounds and scars. It's what we do with them. Now, most of us don't know how to work through that stuff and be able to let it go so that the past is not just something that happened, okay? That happened. It's something that's happening, right? The past can be alive in us. We, we haven't done the work. So, it's still here. So now when I'm standing in front of a new woman, I'm relating to her through all the stuff that's still here, the pain that's still here, right? And that's going to make me guarded because I don't want to be hurt again. I'm going to be more suspicious and more watchful and more kind of, you know, on guard. I'm going to have a wall around my heart. And the wall's there to keep me safe, but the wall will keep you single because people can't get in to hurt you. Yeah, but they can't get in to love you either, right? So this is such a major issue of how do I recognize what happened to me, but how, how do I arrive at a clean emotional slate? Like something you guys don't know about me is part of my former life. I used to be a professional golfer. Okay, the stuff you would see on television, you know, um, and since I was a professional golfer, I had swing coaches and fitness trainers and nutritionists. And I had a whole team of people and I had sports psychologists work with me. And all of sports psychology is just about one thing. Can you let go of the previous shot or pitch or at bat or play or point and meet the next one with a clean emotional slate? 
Are you struggling to cope with your breakup or divorce? Are you feeling devastated, heartbroken, sad and anxious? If so, please know that you are not alone and there is help available. Sarah Davison, best known as The Divorce Coach, and her team of accredited coaches are here to offer you the support and guidance you need to navigate all areas of your breakup, take back your control and start feeling happy again. Sarah will show you how to dial down those controlling negative emotions, unhook from your ex, get back in the driving seat of your life and design a future you are excited to live. Sarah has a range of solutions to support any breakup, including free guides, one-to-one -one coaching, her Heartbreak to Happiness virtual retreats, live retreats, and you can even train to be a breakup and divorce coach with Sarah too. Visit www.saradavison.com today and start to feel happy again. Can you let go of the previous shot or pitch or at bat or play or point and meet the next one with a clean emotional slate, right? You can't be coming to your next shot with all of the last few shots in your head because you'll screw this one up, <laughs> right? You gotta, you gotta come present. You gotta come as if nothing's ever happened. So how do you let go of all that so that you can be fully present here and perform at your best? Well, that's the same in our love lives, right? You have all that stuff, but if you don't let it go, it's going to sabotage you, right? You may make a relationship move so much slower than it really should because you're, you're afraid. The trust issues, right? Here's what happens when you've been hurt. The trust issue is such that you meet a new person and you're like, you're starting from you have to prove to me that I should open my heart and trust you. Until then, I'm not. So you have to prove yourself to me. Now, when you meet a, a good guy, if we're talking to women right now, and just reverse it if it's opposite. When you meet a, a good guy, he's going to feel that. He's going to feel that there's a resistance, that there's something. He might well put his finger on it, but he's going to feel that there's something there. And I haven't met a guy that goes on a date with a sledgehammer. Like he's not, he doesn't want to knock down your walls. He's, I'm going to go to that girl over there whose arms are wide open, who's coming from the place of, I am open and available. Like I trust you until you show me that I shouldn't, then I'm going to kick you in the balls and send you down the road, right? Metaphorically, right? <laughs> but there's this, when the past is alive in us, we start from, fear and you've got to prove yourself and what person wants to prove themselves like you're holding me accountable for something that guy did right so we understand that but yet it it happens right so we want to be able to to be in the present to be at this next shot to be in this next relationship with an open available heart like to be able to be playful to be sensual to be vulnerable to be honest to be um spontaneous right to be your natural alive self to have this open heart that's what we want but if the past is alive we're shut down we're closed off and then people can feel that mm. and it's only it's 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 only the wrong people that want to fight through that nonsense 
it, the best people will say, life's too short to try to knock down your walls. I'm just going to find someone who's ready to dance. Correct. So I think everybody understands that the issue is how do I get there? How do I get to the open available heart? And that's a long discussion. I do talk about it in my book some, but that's what I do as a coach. There's a process to acknowledge what happened to we're not dismissing anything to own the pain, to work through it, to where it does become something that just happened instead of it's still happening. Yeah. And that is, if it's not the most important muscle that you've got to get strong, especially in this conversation with the nature of this podcast. And I can just, I have such success with my clients who are really wanting to let go. Sometimes we don't want to let go. We, we, we want to hang on to the bitterness and the anger right there and no judgment there, but sometimes we don't want to let go. But when people say that they want to put their past behind them and, and move on and open themselves up to something wonderful again, incredible things can happen. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I agree with you. I think trust is, is a big issue for a lot of people listening now. Oh. I know, I know that's the case. And, you know, I always think that sometimes it's not so much about trusting somebody else. It's about learning to trust yourself to make better decisions about who you are going to let into your life. And if those, you know, and if you do go in open, as you're talking about there, and some of those warning signs come up, those red flags, you trust yourself enough to get out quick enough so that you don't get dragged back into repeating that same old pattern and that Groundhog Day scenario you were talking about earlier, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Most people who have been through these kind of things will say, I sort of knew it. I saw it, but either it was loneliness or a scarcity mindset that whatever I, I, I ran through the red lights, right. And you, and I don't know what it's like in London and how your street lights work, <laughs> but over here, a red light means stop. And if you run it, you're going to get broadsided by a car. <laughs> okay. So yeah. If you run through red lights, it usually comes back to bite you, right? But most of us can say, oh, I knew it. I, but I didn't, I didn't trust myself. Uh, I didn't trust that little voice that said, hmm, well, he's really cute. Or he checks a lot of boxes. Um, eh, so he's got an anger issue. So he drinks a lot. Eh, maybe my love will change him <laughs> or something, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's uh, those things happen, but we learn from them. Hopefully, that's part of letting go of the past is learning the lessons that that relationship was allowed to happen in your life. It was going to teach you something. Yeah. So can you become a better person and a better partner because of what you went through rather than you become a more closed off and bitter person because of what happened to you that's our choice the past yeah. happened it's what we do with it that can really change the course of the rest of our lives absolutely and working to turn that pain into your power to go on and, and improve like your that. life i yeah. guess is, is good i mean all this is is great information when where can people find you so they can work with you maybe get your books yep. and, and work yep. with you to be your Either coach. The one stop, yeah, one stop shop is my website, coachingwithroy.com. Okay. My books are on there. I have video courses on there. Um, I got, uh, there's a link to my own podcast. I, I do a podcast called Attracting Lasting Love, where I talk about all these things. So, and also on my website is something really interesting. So, since I kind of use this fitness metaphor, 
today about getting in relationship shape. Well, if you went to a workout facility and hired a personal trainer and you said, you know, I want to get in really good physical shape. The first thing any good fitness trainer would do would be put you through an assessment to find out where you are now. Once they know where you are, they know where you want to get. They can put a program together to get you there, right? So it occurred to me, why don't we do that for our love lives? We know what we want. We want this healthy, sustainable, sexy, mutually creative relationship. That's what we want to get. Well, where are we starting from? <laughs> like, what is our current relationship fitness level? And if I can find out what your fitness level is, I can put a program together to get those muscles strong so that you can have that. Follow me? So on my website, I have something called the Relationship Fitness Self-Assessment Test. Okay, it's like a 30 true-false question test. Take you about three, four minutes to take. Absolutely confidential. Even I don't see your results. I just get notified somebody took the test. Okay, so you get an email immediately the algorithm, I don't know how it all works. I had somebody build it. I wrote the test, but I don't know the technical side. But it'll, it'll put you in one of five categories. Yeah, you're either relationally ripped. Nobody's ever scored in that category. That's like for Jesus and Buddha or someone, okay? <laughs> so you're either ripped, you're skinny fat, or you're overweight, unhealthy, or you're in the bottom category. And I took my own test, even though I, I wrote it, and I took it from that mentality of the guy I was before I worked with a coach and I scored in the lowest level, dangerously out of shape. That's accurate. I was a mess. <laughs> I had all kinds of drama and divorce and breakups and all kinds of stuff. So the test is accurate. And that's kind of like, ouch. Yeah. There's a good chance that you're going to take the test if you do, and you're going to find out that you're not in very good shape. So what? That just means you got to work on yourself. You just got room to grow. Who doesn't have room to grow? So I just want to let you know, if you take the test, chances are it's not going to say you're ripped, that you're wonderful. Because if you were in great relationship shape, you probably wouldn't be where you are right now, right? And so, um, so find out, at least find out kind of what relationship condition you're in now. And that way, it can provide some motivation possibly to reach out to me and say, hey, would you train me? <laughs> would, you, yeah. would you coach me and get me in better shape? Because I don't want to go through what I've been through in my life. I, I don't want the second half of my life or the second two thirds of my life, depending on how old you are. I don't want to do this again. I don't want to be in the groundhog day. I, I want my next relationship to be my last one, right? And that just means most of us have to do some pretty significant work on the inside to let go, clean out, and then maybe replace with some new habits, new skills, stronger relationship muscles. So all of that is found at coachingwithroy.com. Can't miss it. I love it. I love it. Thank you, Roy. I mean, I, I love what you're saying there. I think you're spot on with your advice. One last question for you, uh -huh. please. I ask all my guests. Okay. Um, as you know, my po podcast is called Heartbreak to Happiness. And I think it's really important that we all know what happiness is for us. So even when we're maybe dangerously out of shape, relationship-wise, uh, we can still tap into that happiness along the way. So what is happiness for you, Roy? Hmm. Happiness for me is how I see myself. Do I see myself as a victim 
at the effect of forces that I can't control, like life is happening to me? Or do I see myself as kind of a creator, for lack of a better term, that life happens by me or because of me? Happiness to me is when I stand in a place of power and say, I'm not a victim. No matter what's happened to me in my past, nothing can keep me from being present now, from making choices now. And when I'm in a place of empowerment, rather than feeling like I don't have any control and I'm just blaming, blaming God, blaming my ex, blaming my parents, blaming my genetics, blaming, oh, I can't help it or poor me or why me. That's when I feel dead on the inside. But when I just say, I'm not seeing myself that way. Um, Things may have happened to me. Yes. But right now, today, I have the power to choose and make choices and create the life that I want to create. I often use a movie metaphor, like your life is like a movie. You either see yourself in somebody else's movie, you're just playing a bit part. You're not the director, you're not writing the script, you're not the casting agent, you're just in somebody else's movie, and they tell you where to stand and what to say. And, you know, you're at the effect of everybody in power. Or your life is like a movie, but it's your movie. You wrote it, you're directing it, you're producing it, you're the casting agent, you're picking the people that are in it, you're, you're writing the plot. <laughs> okay, So I choose to see my life as my movie. And if the plot isn't going so good, then I'm going to work on how do I rewrite the script? Instead of feeling like, oh, well, you know, women do this, or online dating is that, or men are this way, or, and it's just, you know, life sucks, and then you die, right? So that's what happiness is to me. I love it. And actually, one of my favorite lines from any movie of all time is from The Holiday, and it's mm. Kate Winslet, and she says, I don't know if you remember this bit, she's out with a, a, an award-winning movie writer. Oh, yeah, I love that movie. And she says... Uh, you're so right. She said, you're supposed to be the leading lady in your own life, for Christ's sake. And I, that really resonates with me. And I know it does with a lot of my clients. Right. So yes. Right. And thank you so much. I know you have, I mean, talk about empowering. You have really been empowering for a lot of my listeners today. So thank yeah. you ever so much, Roy, for being a fabulous guest. Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad to be here. And maybe perhaps down the line, we can talk again. And we only talked about one of the muscles right? There's seven of them. So, and they're all juicy like that. So yeah, thanks for having me and all the best to, all I can tell you is I was in the heartbreak. You might be in the middle of it now. There is light. There really is. If you look at yourself, work on yourself, take responsibility, you can end up in the happiness part. You really can. Oh, thank you. We would love to have you back. So I'll be in touch about that. Thank you so much. Great. Bye-bye. That's it for today's episode. Be sure to head on over to coachingwithroy.com to book your coaching session with Roy and take the self-assessment test. And I look forward to you joining me on my next episode. That's it for today's episode of Heartbreak to Happiness. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to win a free ticket to one of Sara's virtual retreats. The retreats are a transformative combination of live webinars with Sara herself, coupled with empowering online video programs designed to help you cope better with your breakup and start feeling happy again. For more details, head on over to heartbreaktohappinesspodcast.com, where you can also get a copy of Sara's free gift. 
Thank you and join us again on the next episode for another dose of Heartbreak to Happiness.